a wonderful song to, to sing together just now before we come to think um, about God's Word uh, as much as of a particular passage of it this evening. That's what we're going to do. Before we do that, let's pray together um, using a lovely prayer that's at the end of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. John is flat out in his daily life from when the alarm goes at 6.45 in the morning until he falls into bed exhausted at 11.30 at night. It makes him dizzy when he stops for a moment to think of all the roles that he is expected to to play and has to fill in his life. He's a dad, he's a husband, he's a work colleague, he's a friend, he's a church leader, and oh yes, somewhere in there he's a Christian, someone who knows that they're supposed to read the Bible and to pray. John finds that there doesn't seem to be any time for that these days. Emma's pretty much the same. She too is a Christian. Uh, She loves God. She loves the sermons in church on Sundays and she enjoys the the kinds of discussions that she has with friends in her, her home group or discipleship group. But when she tries opening the Bible on her own, it's a different story. It somehow gets much more complicated and God's word in that context is much less inviting. John and Emma are typical of a growing trend among Christians today. People for whom the Bible is a closed book from Monday to Saturday. It's not that we don't appreciate the Bible or understand its importance. We understand what an incredible gift it is that God in his sovereign grace has given us a a written letter uh, revealing all that we need to know about him and his plans for us. We realize the the crucial role that the Bible has played in the history uh, of human civilization. We believe that there's no other book that, that can play or should play the role that the scriptures do in our lives. We believe all these things. But there's a problem. Few of us experience the Bible in the way that we believe that we should. We know the Bible's supposed to be great, but truth be told, it's not great for us. At least not right now. When we do try to read it, uh, we often struggle, and many of us, if truth be told, have given up for the time being reading it at all. So by and large, we're not enjoying our Bibles. The Anglican Bishop J.C. Ryle, he once said, happy is the man who possesses a Bible. Happier still is the man who reads it. And that's an insightful enough comment. 
The guys who sell Bibles, they research their market every bit as well as the guys who sell cars and computers. They would tell you that the average Christian in the Western world owns nine Bibles. That's a pretty staggering thought. But wait for it, there's more, because they tell you, as well as owning nine Bibles, we want more. And that's all very insightful. We want the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th. It seems to me to speak volumes. We want to connect with God in his word. We know that's important, and we have a strong desire for that. But the fact that we're going out buying more and more Bibles seems to suggest that we're not yet satisfied. We're not yet there. Uh, The Bible and and God speaking through it is somehow eluding us. We're not, at this point, enjoying our Bibles. For some of us, it's possible that the situation is even worse than that. It's possible that we're using the Bible and have been trained to use the Bible in a way that's, that's stifling our spiritual growth and even destroying our souls. This is what happened for quite a number of people during the time of Jesus' ministry. There were lots of people around Jesus who saw Jesus uh, exercise wonderful, uh, powerful ministry. They heard his wonderful teaching, but it was their understanding of God's word that blocked them, ironically, from receiving Jesus. In the sixth chapter of John's gospel, uh, John records some of what Jesus said to the Jews of his day. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So it's possible to have the Bible in your hand and yet for it, rather than to to be a thing that welcomes and draws the life of Christ to you, it can actually end up as a a barrier uh, to meeting with the real and risen Jesus. I I don't know if you have any sense that you've ever experienced that. Uh, I think I probably have. I think I've seen communities use God's word in a particular way, and I think I've had understandings of God's word that have actually at times kept the spirit of Jesus at bay in my life. So there are problems here. We're struggling to enjoy God's word and we're struggling to receive the blessing that God would bring us through it. I want to begin with some of the the bad news this evening in this series because I think unless we, we see some of this, we're going to be at a loss to find our way forward. I want to suggest for a moment that our our problems with the Bible are absolutely fundamental. They're not just on the surface. They're right at the base. We go to the Bible looking for the wrong things. And oftentimes we go to the Bible with the wrong approach. And I want to expand on that for just a second. We tend to have two objectives in our minds oftentimes when we go to the Bible. We're looking for information or we're looking for guidance. Let let me expand on each of those for a second. Often our Bible study focuses on gathering information. Uh, We we think it would be good to know more about God and his historical revelation. 
So we go there learning what God has done or learning more, more biblical doctrines. Now there's a problem here because knowledge oftentimes makes us arrogant and proud. Uh, even knowledge of the Bible or an increasing knowledge of, of theology about God can do that for us. So it's not surprising that oftentimes when we go to the Bible, when we learn lots of new things there, that it doesn't actually do the thing that we're longing for, which is bring new richness of Christ to us and a new presence of Christ's spirit. We love the Bible. We buy more editions of different translations. We hope to find God there, but we find that we're, we're still missing him. We still don't meet with God. We still don't hear him speak through his word. There's a second common objective in our Bible study, and that is we come to God looking for guidance, uh, for that pressing need for the moment. It's that moment where the boss has offered you a wonderful new job in another city, and they say they need to know by tomorrow morning whether you're going to take it or not. So you go home and you flick open the Bible. And you hope that in some random verse somewhere hidden deep in Ezekiel that it's going to give you the answer to your pressing need to to have an answer for your boss. Friends, I don't want to to minimize the, the desire and the motive behind that. Of course, it's great to want to know God's will and to want to live in his ways. But the truth is the Bible is not a frequently asked questions resource that that we flick up when we need help with a particular problem. God isn't interested in providing you with a list of answers of that nature so that you can make a good decision about this thing or that thing. God's not interested in me making the odd good decision uh, about being a good husband or a good minister or even a good Christian. You see, God wants something much more. He wants me to enter into a relationship with him where he changes my whole way of seeing the world, that every decision is a good decision because he has formed my mind and my thinking. So both of those approaches, when we go looking for information, when we go seeking for guidance, share the same fundamental problem. Now, if you've been listening to me and you think, that doesn't sound so bad... I want you to listen carefully to this next because I I think I can see a common problem with both of those problems and it's a very fundamental one. In our approach to scripture, we keep ourselves in charge of the process. This This is my fundamental thing that I want to get across to you this evening. We go to the Bible for information. We go to the Bible in a moment of crisis looking for guidance These are both ways in which we go to the Bible controlling the process and controlling the outcomes. And I want to suggest to you this evening that this is fundamentally wrong. We need to find a new way to go to the Bible. A way where we are not in the driving seat, but Scripture is. Where God speaks And he's allowed to say what he will say, and we submit to him. 
It was one of my professors at college, Dr. Bruce Walkie, who really helped me to understand this for the first time. In our Old Testament theology class, he, he challenged us to rethink what it is to understand God's word. And it was a very powerful moment for me because here I was heading into a, a, a biblical seminary to study Old Testament theology, thinking, brilliant, finally, I'm going to get it. I'm going to master scripture. I'm going to be able to, to stand over it and say, yes, I understand God's word. I've got it, and I can now teach it to other people. Here's what he said. Don't imagine that God reveals himself to those who try to master his word, to dissect it, to analyze it, and to conquer it. True understanding comes to those who submit themselves to God's word. Understanding means to stand under it rather than imagining that we can stand over it and dominate it. We must come humbly and open ourselves to God and his word. Friends, Dr. Walkie's right. God will not speak to us while we come to his word in a, a position of, of authority and control. And I think this is a, this is a very prophetic word to me uh, and, and maybe even to our tradition. You see, we can no longer, if we get this, we can no longer make the Bible a place where, where Presbyterians go or Evangelicals go or where Christoph Ebbinghaus goes to, to demonstrate how right I am. The Bible's no resource to validate me in my already preconceived ideas. The Bible must be a place where I go humbly to say, Lord, you speak, I'll listen, and I want to learn to obey. Folks, I think in the end, the basic question about our relationship with the Bible is one of control. Who is in control of this conversation? Will I continue to control the Bible, trying to make sure it comes out the way I want it to come out and supports all my preconceived ideas and notions? Or will I stand under it? Will I allow it to lead me and to be in charge? In their introduction to the Spiritual Formation Bible, uh, which, which has helped me to, to, to prepare this address, the editors ask a question. Can we surrender freely to the life we see in the Bible, or must we remain in control of that life, only selectively endorsing it when we find it proper and safe from our perspective? Can we trust the living water that flows from Christ through the Bible, open ourselves to it, and release it into the world as best we can? This, we believe, is the only worthy goal for studying the Bible. Folks, I don't know if you've got me yet, but this is actually, this is different I think 
than a lot of what I grew up with in Ulster evangelicalism. But I believe that this is the place where the the life-giving flow of Scripture can once again enter into our lives. If we will open ourselves humbly and take God at his word. Over these next summer evenings, we're going to spend some time thinking together about enjoying God's word. I hope that's not an oxymoron for you. If it is, that's a demonstration of how bad our position is. But that's what we're going to, to work on. Can we once more be people who enjoy God's word? I hope that we do enjoy it collectively. I hope that we enjoy it on Sundays when we when we think about it together in our teaching in church. I hope you get a chance to enjoy it, uh, perhaps in discipleship groups. But my longing for you and for me is that we're people who enjoy God's word throughout our lives, who find ways to, to enter into it and enjoy it. Folks, to do that, we're going to have to think a little bit about what God's word really is and how best we approach it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to think about some of those things. The editors of the the Spiritual Formation Bible, this uh, Bible that I've used to help me prepare tonight's address, they talk about four distinct ways that we need to read the Bible if we're to discover uh, what God truly says in it. Firstly, we have to read the Bible literally, from cover to cover. I wonder if you've done that. There's nobody here, I'm just looking around, there's nobody here is at the stage where in terms of their reading ability, they they couldn't have have read uh, scripture through. So here we are, a bunch of people who, who immediately affirm that God's word is the foundation of our lives. I wonder have we read it? What would you think of a Shakespeare scholar who, who hammered away at Act 1, Scene 2, and Act 4, Scene 1, and just kept throwing them at you, showing you how wonderful? What would you think of a Shakespeare scholar who did that? And when you then ask a question about Act, scene three, uh, th- act 3, Scene 2, you said, oh, don't know. I haven't read that. Don't know that part. Don't enjoy that part. Friends, does it not seem that if we're really to enjoy God's word, we need to know it? If we are really to enjoy each part of it, we'll we'll need to know the whole story. So we we need to read God's word literally and from cover to cover and get to know it. I I might get a chance to talk a little bit about how you could... Actually, I'm looking and I see some guys who I know are doing that this year. Um, I'm trying to do it again this year. I, I did it a lot in the past and I'm trying to do it again now. It's great. We need to read the Bible in context. For once and for all, we need to give up on this habit we have of lifting verses that we like and, and, and making them stand alone. You can make the Bible say almost anything you want if you're willing to do that. You'll notice that one of our commitments here in Kirkpatrick in teaching the Bible is, is what I would call contextual teaching, where you see a Bible passage one Sunday showing what it follows on from, what we did the week before, and what, it, what it's driving towards the next week, because, because that's where the integrity of God's Word is intact. So, folks, we need to, to learn to, to read the Bible uh, in, in its own context. 
We need to learn to read the Bible in conversation with itself. And that means always to be looking out for what one part of God's word teaches us to make another part clearer. There's a little principle there, and you maybe know it. If you come across a part of God's word that's, that's oblique or, or complex, oftentimes there are other parts of God's word that are clearer on the same subject and can clarify it for us. And there's a final thing that we need to do. We need to read God's word in conversation with other Christians. Uh, we need to, to read good Christian books. I, I was chatting to, to one of the members of our congregation a few weeks ago, uh, and I was asked, I'm reading this book, what do you think of it? Um, and, and it's a book that a lot of people are reading these days. And, and I said, listen, my benchmark now for reading Christian books is simply this. How does that book help me understand Scripture better? And how does that book stack up in light of all that I know in Scripture? So if you want to read Christian books and you're not sure which ones you should or shouldn't read, make sure that you're reading this book, reading the Scriptures, and then very quickly the books that are worth reading will demonstrate themselves because they'll be the ones that affirm and elaborate on on Scripture. The ones that are, are, are dross and rubbish will also very quickly become evident because they don't uh, elaborate on and, uh, and build on Scripture. Folks, all of that, all, all those four methods of, of preaching, or, or sorry, of reading Scripture, I think they'll help us to, to do better with our minds. But if we leave it at that, we'll have failed. And if, if my teaching in this series only gets you that far, I will have failed. Because what I want for me and for you is that we learn to read the Bible in a way that it becomes a flow of blessing into our lives. We need to learn to slow down a little with God's word. We need to start to, to breathe a little bit deeper and to start to take this word to heart. And if all of this sounds a little weird and unusual to you this evening, please don't worry. I'm not going off on any sort of a bender. What I'm describing here is, is the long-term history of God's people. And I think we have lost it in our evangelical tradition. It's to learn to meditate on God's word. To do a little bit more than just to hear it and think about it and say, yeah, that's good. Take out of here. Do something else. It's to learn to take God's word into the depths of our heart and the depths of our lives. This is a, a long-honored tradition among God's people, and it even has an old Latin name, Lectio Divina, divine reading. What does Lectio Divina mean? Well, it means listening to God in Scripture. It means submitting to what we have heard, the kind of thing I was talking about earlier, Dr. Walkie. Allowing its message to flow into us rather than us attempting to master it. It means reflecting on the text of Scripture. Do you ever do that? Do you ever find yourself in the shower on Wednesday morning still thinking about the thing that you, you heard on Sunday or read on Monday? 
Folks, we need to learn to do that. We need to learn to pray the text of Scripture so that our lives just become a pendulum. Reading, praying. Reading, praying. God speaks, we speak. God speaks, we speak. And the conversation is just like the beat of our hearts. Folks, obeying the text of Scripture. Is God going to speak to us any longer if we fail to obey the things He's already shown us? And vice versa. How much is God willing to bless us and, and pour, pour wisdom into the hearts and, and lives of those who have demonstrated a willingness to receive and obey? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. Lectio Divina, divine reading. Folks, I didn't know much about this, despite growing up in evangelical Presbyterianism. But I think it would be great if we could learn how to enjoy God's word together. And that's my desire for you. At the start of this, this address this evening, I talked about John and Emma, two contemporary uh, Christians, both struggling with God's word. You may feel like them this evening. I'm even going to guess that you probably do. And the reason I'm pretty confident to make that guess is that I do. So I want to tell you at the outset, when you see a sermon series entitled Enjoying God's Word, there will be no guilt trip. Why would there be? Because my desire for you is the same as my desire for myself, and that is to hear God often and always, to enjoy that experience. And if we can help each other along that road these next few weeks, then I'd be delighted. Instead of giving you any sort of a guilt trip this evening, I want to finish by giving you one big reason why you should get back into the Bible. It's brilliant. The Bible is absolutely brilliant. And if I've lost sight of that at any point along the way in my personal life, or if you have, then we need to recover a little of the wonderful power and blessing of God's Word in our lives. Folks, I think there's a lie that permeates our minds. And that is that the Bible is boring, difficult, and unrewarding. I think it's a lie that suits Satan down to the ground. As long as he can keep you and I from engaging well with God and his word, he has the upper hand in our community. Why read the Bible? Because it's absolutely brilliant. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Listen, if your soul doesn't need revived, forget about the Bible. 
Keep, keep watching reality TV and keep reading trashy novels. But if you'd like to be revived in your soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I find that an attractive idea. When you know you're simple, you're looking for wisdom wherever you can find it. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Do you know what I was thinking at home when I was reading that? What do we do if that's not how we feel about Scripture? What do we do? Folks, the psalmist, I think, has discovered God in his word. And it set him alight. And my desire for each one of us is that we could pray a prayer like that. And it would be absolutely genuine, absolutely the word of our heart, that God is sweeter to us than anything else. He means more to us than the most precious thing. And and we have found all this in his word. I'm not saying that that's the reality here this evening. And I don't even want you to feel guilty if that's not the reality here this evening. But what I am saying and inviting myself and you to do is to enter once more into God's word and see if this could be true for us. Let's see if we can learn together about enjoying God's word. Let us pray.